0: No, I was. Me. <laughs> listen, man. I know Katie better not be back there fucking laughing. She was laughing her ass off. Yo. It's not even that you weren't good. You
1: were good. It's just that you were like really picking your spots, yeah, which is what I told you to do anyway.
0: Yeah. But not that many spots. I don't think. <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a lot of spots. It was no cheater for me, for sure. No, you know, and it's funny because not a lot of people are ever going to be in that position I was in. Right. Like imagine that. I had, I had no radio experience. I don't think people truly stop. Sometime after like stop and tell people when they say that, they're like, oh my God, Mo, you didn't talk in the beginning. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> let's take a let's let's take a moment yeah. to really think about the position I was put in. I've never been in radio. Here I am. I'm a guy who's yeah, I'm great as far as creating content and being funny, but on a stage where I don't have to interact with anybody. Because I've been through so much in my life that I'm, I'm already naturally this reserved person. I'm to myself. I don't trust people. I don't believe in people. I don't know you. I don't want to know you. I've been through so much, and then here I am. I've gone through my entire life where nothing has ever worked for me. Nothing has ever worked. What do Every- you mean nothing has ever worked? Oh my God! I, 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 when I got to the bird show, B, I was, I had this mindset that the world just had it out for me. I mean, I was abused as a child. Every job I ever wanted, I didn't get. I felt like I had this music ability that was incredible. No one listened. I felt like I could be one of the funniest comedians on the planet. No one cared. No one. I wasn't really surrounded by people who lived their dreams, who actually went out there and made it happen, where I could see them and touch them and talk to them and go, oh, this shit is possible. I didn't come from that. I came from the complete opposite. Like, almost as if this shit was a dream to me. I don't even know if you know, but at the time that I came to do the Bird Show interview, I had $35 in my pocket.
1: had I known that, I would have like lowballed that contract. You should have. You fucked it up, man.
0: Damn it. <laughs> I, if you would have said, hey, got this little got a got a show. You wanna come on it? We'll give you a couple burgers. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I would have I been like, hey, let's do it. <laughs> Nothing ever went well for me in my life, man. I'd, I'd never experienced this environment that I'm in. I had imposter syndrome. I'm like, I, this is not for me because I'd been great my entire life and no one cared. No one ever gave a shit about what I had to say or what I had to do or how I felt. No one ever cared. That's so many people in the world, right? And then all of a sudden you get an email from you saying, "Hey, got a show in Atlanta. Want to see if you like to come through and be a part of it?" I'm looking at this like, "Get the fuck out of here, man! <laughs> this is the, this is wow. They're getting really good at this spam. <laughs> 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 These junk emails are getting really good." No, I didn't. I it was almost like I was living in a reality that I couldn't make a reality for me because it wasn't wasn't a thing for me. It never had been. So then I get here and. I'm like, okay, we're on a radio show, we're syndicated, I, I don't have any experience, no one's ever listened to me, no one's ever told me that my ideas mattered, my thoughts mattered, my opinions mattered, I don't, I don't, I don't know shit, why do y'all care about what I have to say? Why do you, I have a lot to say, but no one has ever cared before, so why is this a thing now? And then it's like, hey, lights are on, go! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, it, and it's not like I had the most comfortable welcoming into radio, it's not like I was in a room full of black people where we're talking about black shit. Right. No, it's like I'm coming into the bird show with Cindy I don't know anything. I am so lost. And then on top of that, I got everybody telling me we miss Brian. You miss him. Oh, some, God, that must You got to deal brutal. with that. They're like, yes. oh, God, why would you let Brian go for this guy? Where'd you <laughs> find him, this piece of shit? I might have sent you one of those emails. Bro. Yeah, it was you. I think he had a burner account. <laughs> it was a point I think Katie doubted me. Katie's like, oh, I ain't going to lie. I thought Brian was the guy. <laughs> so, honestly, in the beginning, man, I mean, and then you moved to Atlanta. I don't have any friends. I don't have any family. Every day I leave from the show, I'm going home by myself. I feel like I failed every day. It was it was hard, man. It was a lot to deal with in the beginning and the pressure of it all to kind of be the guy. The guy, quote, unquote, in the beginning. It was tough. Yeah, I don't doubt it. And um, those that said to you, like, why aren't you
1: talking more? I'm guessing came from a, this could be a cultural thing. It might be from a lot of white people that have never been in a situation yeah. where, you know, a room full of black people, yeah. right? And everything is so new. But you had so many different things going on. So many things.
0: On top of it all.
1: Yeah, and you survived and your talent took over, dude. And it's so funny that you, la- you laugh at me when I say, man, I, there's a lot of times where I just fake it. You faked it. You just really faked it I because did. you came in with a confidence and I believed in your talent then and I believe in your talent now, man. So you're going to be great,
0: dude. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. We ain't getting there until the end of it, though. That's another thing I got to talk about. So don't don't stop trying to control my damn show, <laughs> man. This is why.
1: I, I, I swore in. when I came in here, I was gonna just take in the questions. <laughs> <and Real. laughs> There's a lot of cultural things that... You know, I think that you brought to this show that white people have never experienced before, man. Just never. That's why I wanted to go and work on a quote-unquote black show so badly for just two days to experience that. And right. as I said before, I couldn't get a black show to go, yeah, bring Whitey in here.
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> it didn't work like that. Uh-uh. Our cultures don't collide in front yeah. of the world on an everyday basis. That is not a thing. Like, right? Katie, grab, Greg, Katie, your mic work? It works. All right, so I was telling Bert earlier about how growing up black, when you get around white people, you're kind of programmed and taught to believe that you have to keep it a little less than real. Change your swag, change your tone. Can you speak to that a little bit?
2: Yeah, you have to act a certain way and present so that that person... Basically, we're taught to make white people feel comfortable.
0: There you go.
1: Jesus. I mean... And white people don't even know that. Katie is actually a better example than you are. So when Katie is on your podcast, she sounds much different than when she does on The Burt Show. I'm not talking about the inflection in her voice and stuff like that. I'm talking about the looseness when she's on with you is different than when she's on with The Burt Show.
0: So so what you said, Katie, before you, because I want you to speak to this. Okay, What you said earlier when you said... I still was trying to figure it out and Walter would come in the room and I'd be away and he'd leave and then it was like I have eventually figured that out a little bit. I feel like Katie still struggles with that. Just a tad. Am I am I accurate on that, Katie? hundred percent. Tell so, me why.
2: Um, I really don't know. So, like, for example, when I started working for the Burt Show, I started as a phone screener. I and everyone was white. And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna do my job and leave. I didn't speak to anyone, I didn't I kept to myself. I stayed in my area because I'm like, okay, just do your job, girl, and leave. We don't know, we don't know how they might feel about black people being around yet. You know, like it's so. It's was this there windy, was, territory?
1: Was there anything that was being done by everybody around you, or that was your perception?
2: That nah, was just my perception. That's perception. Ah. That's just perception. We, we
0: came in with that. It was nothing you've done or anything on or anybody on the show has done. It wasn't a personal thing. That is a thing amongst black people in black culture. That's we awful. have always been taught that when you get around white people, especially. In a professional setting, so you take it back a little bit. You don't give them everything of yourself.
2: Exactly. And so when Mo and even when Walter was on, you know, part of the show, I started to feel a little relaxed. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's someone else here that looks like me? Okay, okay, okay. Maybe I can start being myself and maybe I can start, you know, showing my personality and doing that. And so with Mo on most podcasts, it's a whole different vibe it's just like okay we're just chilling i can just be me however on the show i still feel a little worried i'm like okay so what are you worried about though like what do you think is gonna happen judgment yep
0: judgment we we believe that if we're too black in a white environment we're gonna be judged you're gonna you're gonna feel a certain way about certain things we're saying or we're doing or we're wearing how our hair is how our clothes are how our voice you know what i mean like no we have <laughs> i really don't <laughs> i wish i did we we've we grown up with that i think as a black person it's automatic to you that if you got a white person on the phone you speak a certain way mm-hmm. then you speak a little differently than you would speak to to your homeboy and that's not taught that is just something that you
1: it's inherited it's inherited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is fucking crazy to me. Certainly. Though. That must. To live with that kind of filter. White people can't understand.
0: It. No. Uh-huh. Like, you you probably, have you ever thought to yourself, I have to talk a little differently around Mo? Ever in your life? Never. Have, it's never been a thought for you. uh uh-uh. That's an everyday thought for me, talking to you. Really? Everyday thought. I can't talk to you the way I talk to Katie. It might offend you. You might feel awkward or uncomfortable because I might be a little too black, and you might not get it. That's a thing for a black person. A little too black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. Like I. I when naturally, if I if I go in a room with Katie right now. And I would, and I'd talk to her, and you yeah. weren't listening, but you were like, you set your phone down, recorded yeah. it, you would be like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> 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 who, who the fuck is this? I don't even, it's the same guy I like, it's a. So if the two of you were 100% when
1: you were on the Burt Show, you're afraid that what? You'll get complaints, we'll get tweets saying what? That Katie's too black? Why is Mo talking like he's talking? What are you worried about?
0: I'll let Katie answer first.
2: Wait, don't do that. (laughs) Don't you do
0: that. No, because I have an answer, but I'm curious as to what you think first before I answer.
2: Okay, my answer, it's not we'll get complaints. I don't feel like we would. It's just the judgment. It'll be like, oh, wait, this is a little more urban than I expect. It's, I just, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. And for the Burt Show, I feel like predominantly we have predominantly white listeners, majority you know, we have some BLs on the DLs, mm-hmm. but because of who our majority of our listeners are, I don't feel like they will understand where I'm coming from. They, we, there's there's a, a level of where I wouldn't be able to relate to them if I, you know, was yeah. my authentic self and I want to relate. So I put on this face that I was taught, you know, raised, how I was raised, you know, we put on this, oh, let's cater to everyone, you know, type Th- of vibe. That's it. That's
0: exactly it. Cater to, because... Black people, here's something that I feel like we are used to that probably shouldn't even be a part of our everyday life. We have restrictions. It is what it is, right? Like if you go out somewhere, well, you're restricted. Maybe you shouldn't wear a hat. Maybe you shouldn't wear a certain type of sneakers. Maybe you shouldn't wear this. Like if we go to a certain place, we are constantly having to deal with restrictions every day because we're black. So when you get around white people, you have restrictions. All right. Arrow, don't say nigga. Don't say this. Don't do that. Don't. So when you're going to get a job, when you're talking to your white friend, naturally, typically, you'll deal with them as if you're restricted.
1: So let me tell you how totally different it is on this side. <clears throat> so as a white guy that has gone to a quote-unquote black club or a black strip club or a black concert, the way that I was treated by black people was, like, honored. Like, thank you for coming. Like, I can't believe you're here, but thanks so much. And I never had to change anything. I was just me at a strip club, and it's just like, now, it might be like, Honestly, all right, maybe white dude has money. (laughs) (laughs) But at a bar or at the club or at a concert, I never felt like I had to cater anything because any I was high-fived and hugged by black people yeah. for
0: just being at the event. Just being there. Yes. That's the difference. It's crazy. Right? And that's what you can sit here and admit willingly what a lot of white people won't admit is privilege. Because we don't have that. Wow. Like, that's the difference, B. If I bring you around my family, my people, I take you to my hood right now, they'd embrace you just for the fact that you're there. He's with Mo. They, We don't care. We don't care about what you've been through. What you are, what you have, what you've discovered, it doesn't matter. I bring you around my people right now, they accepting you with 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 love. But if there are certain, not yours, but there are certain white communities that if you were to bring me around, they're not going to embrace me. They're going to have questions. Yeah. Why are you even bringing this guy around? Who is he? What has he done? And I'm already off to a bad foot before I even told you who I am. So I li- I think I live in a vacuum
1: because... You, you have been at my house. You've been at my parties. Both of you guys have been at my parties. And I hope you have never felt that. Have you felt that? Not with you, no.
2: No, not at all. Say no. it if
1: you have. No, no. I no, I haven't. Okay. I haven't felt that with all you. All right. No, not um, at really. Because I don't ever see it. And if I, I... I've sniffed the people out of my life over the course of the last four years. It's become more evident on who people really, really are. Right. At least in my
0: community. Um, so I live in a vacuum. So I don't see that. Well, the difference is with you... I don't think anyone would ever disrespect me or or give me that energy if you brought me around because they know I'm on your show. You see the difference? Like, so, if, you, if you brought me around and I was just kind of your black friend, then maybe I would get a little bit of a different energy. So
1: explain to me this energy. I'm really, really interested in this. So what is the energy? Just like, I'm not going to talk to them or I'm going to... I I, I I guess I'm
0: asking a question that I don't even have a reference for. So typically, if you were to bring me around, um, let's say you were to bring me to like a, a, a function where it was mostly like your family and friends and everybody was white, there are going to be people amongst that group who are not the fondest of black people. They have an idea already of who black people are and what we are and how we present ourselves. And it becomes more of a interview. Than anything else, right? Like you can kind of feel out the process of when you're talking to somebody and it's kind of like I'm just getting to know you as opposed to when it's like show me who you are because I already don't like you. So let me question that for just one second. Let me challenge that, Katie, you can get in on this also. Okay. Because I think
1: white people communicate differently even with each other than black people do. So a white person will ask another white person. So what do you do for a living? You know, Mm -hmm. we will feel each other. It's just a natural thing to feel each other out, but I think in the black community, that's, that's not a question that you ask each
0: other, or, or am I wrong? Katie, you mm-hmm. want to go first? Because eh. no, I, want, wait, you, I want you to give answers that are not influenced by mine before I go. White be, people are nosy. Be,
2: Katie. Yes, they absolutely White are. White people Kate, are nosy. Let me, let me
0: say this. This will be edited okay. out. Katie, be your fucking self. <laughs> Don't edit that out. Okay, Seriously, okay, good, good. This is the one time in life I don't want you to talk to him like he's your boss. I get it. Yes. But fucking be yourself. I'm okay? not your boss.
1: I'm on Mo's podcast. Right. He's your boss.
2: For this, just, for this. Just been, for right. now. <laughs> no, okay, Bert, Outside what was the question this, again? you might
1: get fired, but just <laughs> now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so bring it back up the question again. So you're asking... What
1: the hell was I asking? I forget. <laughs> the way white
0: people speak to white
1: people. Oh, yeah, we're just nosy. So the way that we break the ice is by going, so what do you do? What does your wife do? We're just that's that's our icebreakers. And I think in black culture, that's not the icebreaker. So I feel like maybe you feel like you're being interviewed when the truth of the matter is that's that's just how white people get to know each other. Am I wrong?
2: Mm, Okay, so I will admit that I believe that white people are definitely more nosy than black people because we're taught, mind your business. Um, That's true. So our icebreakers are completely different. We're not going to start off with questions like that. We're going to start off with interest. Like if we talk about something, we're going to find something that we're connected, that we can connect with one another about. You know, like, yo, did you hear about so-and-so? You know, we're going to find a different way to start our conversation. And when white people start asking questions, I know for me personally, if someone's asking me, you know, what do you do? It's like, How, how, um, you know, how not successful, but how well are you doing? in Not how well you're doing life. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. It's more so what type of black person are you? If I'm being asked these type of questions from a white person, I feel like I'm being asked what type of black person are you? Are you a cool black person that I can, you know, you know, let loose around? Are you someone I'm like, "Mm a little too hood for me? You know, it's, it's a different Mm. vibe.
0: So, okay. so ask, I'm clueless right now. The upri- <laughs> okay. I'm going to give it to you like this, B. The upbringing for black people. We are taught to mind our business. That's what we are taught. Mind your business. Within your own community also, mind your business. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not just white people. Just mind your business. Mind your business. Okay. That's the way you are raised as a black person. Mind your business. Keep your hands to yourself. And, and the, the less you say, the less you can be held accountable for. Mm-hmm. I feel like with white people, it's a little different, right? Like white people will touch a black girl's hair. Black girl, black woman don't know how to respond to that. Why the fuck are you touching me? Because we've been taught to mind our business and keep our hands to
2: ourselves. Maybe the white woman didn't mean anything by it. Does that happen a lot? Yes. Yes. What? (laughs) I was raised, my mother said, wherever you go, do not let anyone touch your hair. Like, but it happens. Oh my gosh, what are you mixed with? I just happen to have long hair. I'm black. My mom's black. My dad's black. I just happen to have long hair. Why does it have to be I'm always mixed with something? It's it. It happens to me all the time, and strangers,
1: time. white strangers, will come up to you and touch your hair. Yes, yes. what the fuck? Yes, like, oh, what is? I that? think that's a
2: small
0: minority. I think nah, be nah, really? that's a mm. thing, man. Shit. And 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 you're bringing up an interesting point here because because two things are true. Yes, there are white people who don't mean anything by it. You're just inquisitive. You like to know, and you just don't know the way to go about it. But there are also white people who. Use that inquisitiveness to judge what kind of black person you are. So here is what I'm trying to get at. So if I meet a white
1: person at a party, right, Mm -hmm. one of my first questions would might be just to break the ice is what do you do for a living? That white person doesn't feel like I am sizing them up as to what kind of white person they are. But if you and I are at a party and I ask you the same thing, is your perception that I'm sizing you up right now to see
0: what kind of black person you are? Black people are not programmed to believe that when you as a white person approach us about anything, that it's genuinely based off of inquisitiveness. You just want to know. We don't. We're not programmed to believe that. Right. Nothing right. in our lives have told us that when a white person comes up to us and asks us questions, that this is going to end in us being friends.
2: Katie, am I wrong in that? No, you are absolutely right. So we, where does
0: that? Cha- La- you were there when I asked
1: Dave Chappelle this. So where <laughs> does that change? And what did Dave Chappelle say? What did he say? He used it in his act. Buy us ice cream. Buy us ice cream. That's Buy right. us ice cream. Because <laughs> he used it in his act there after you go. that. That's right. He did. I, I, I don't know how that changes. Like, maybe with this kind of dialogue, maybe. But then again, I do think that I grew up in San Diego. And it wasn't around a lot of black people, to be honest with you. So, I don't have a lot of this experience that you guys are telling me about.
0: Be it took me all of the three years. Of the bird show that I've been on it to realize that everything you were giving me was not radio and industry bullshit, to be honest. Because that's what black people are accustomed to. All right, you like me because I can bring some sort of value to this situation. We are not accustomed to believe that a white person will love us simply for being who we are, not based off of what we can provide. It's unfortunate But it's reality. So when you, as a genuine white guy who wants to help, and you say to yourself, I don't get it. I don't know why you don't see that what I'm trying to do for you is genuine. Well, you have to understand that's why. Because we've seen this before, and it's never gone this way. Because for the ten times that this will happen in a black person's life, only one of those ten times will it be genuine. Damn.
1: This makes me so sad, man. It really does. (laughs) Have you guys even, have you been burned by white people in business or have you been taught that you're going to be burned by white people in business so that keeps you skeptical? Both. Both. Yeah? 100% mm-hmm. both. Tell me about it.
0: Both. I want to know about it. Which one you want to know? I want right. to know when you got burned. <laughs> I want to know when you got
2: burned. Got examples.
0: Katie, okay, you want to go, you got something? Yes. Go ahead.
2: All right, so um, it was the second job that I was working and- like how we're raised, we're raised to cater, right? You don't want to be, and especially as a black woman, you don't want to come off as the angry black woman. You don't want to come off as the woman that's too opinionated. So if you're in your job, I was always raised to have a strong work ethic, right? You want to stay professional at all times. And I was in a job where I was staying professional at all times. I never took a vacation. None of that. I'm going to be 110 percent. I was always raised to give not 100 percent. Give 110 percent because you already have two strikes. You're black and you're a woman. So.
0: You got to You have to do twice as much to get half as much. And you got to do it with your hands behind your back. That's what you're taught as a black person.
2: Exactly. So so this is this job that I had dedicated everything to. However, there was that one time that one time I took a vacation and I Told my boss and stuff, hey, I'm taking this vacation. This is my time. He's like, all right, cool. He was fine with it. However, he hit me up on vacation about work. And this is the first time I've ever taken a vacation in the years that I worked for them. Never took a day off at all. So this is my time. And so I was like, well, you know, when I get back in the office on Monday, we'll handle this X, Y, and Z that he was asking me about. Because, like I said, I'm out of office. And he said, okay, smiley face. It's like, yeah. Right? Right? I show up that, that Monday, I show up to work. No one's in the office except for my supervisor. And he's like, hey, everyone was too afraid to come into office today. But, um, I just want to let you know that Greg fired you. For the one time I spoke out and was like, hey, I'm not going to work. I'm Uh, not going to do this. I'm not blah, blah, blah. And he's like, mm, Well, he fired you, and then everyone was scared because I was the only black person in the office. They were scared. I guess they were scared of what my reaction was going to be. No one showed up to the office that day Mm -hmm. except for the supervisor to deliver me that letter. I'm like—
1: And you're sure that if you were a white woman that the results would have been different?
2: 100%. Because of how—because of the behavior that my boss had— when it came to black people and stuff like this and how he would say little things around the office, like, you know, you're a little different. You're not the same as this and a third and how he was, he, it, it was his behavior whenever he talked about black people that showed me, okay, all right. So the one time I say something, you know, you're afraid that as the black woman in the office, I'm going to pop off. So you don't show up to fire me for not, you know, working during my vacation you have your second-hand man do your dirty work, hand you letter, and then everyone's like, okay, okay, hopefully she doesn't say anything and doesn't freak out. So, Mo, when were, you,
1: when were you burned by a white dude that you're sure it was just because you were black? I was working in a
0: mailroom for the breakfast club, right? And <laughs> I, they, they hired me as a mailroom guy. That's what they wanted me to do. I said, fine. And I I was hired to be with another guy that was in the mailroom. He was the leader, quote, unquote, of the mailroom. And I was like the mailroom assistant. Fine. And I got there, did all of the things I was supposed to do. And then, unfortunately, the guy that trained me passed away. Got hit by a van. And I was there for three years at this point. He brought a new white guy in. And I said, well, why would you bring a new guy in? I've been here for three years. He trained me. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. And he said, no, 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 this is the guy. Don't worry about it. He's going to bring a new guy in. Well, why would you bring a new guy in? I've Been here for three years. I got this. I'm under, you know, no, I didn't care. Brought a white guy in. And then they demoted me, sent me to a whole nother department of the company. I said, all right, cool. I hated it. I was mad. I didn't understand why I didn't get the position. I'd done everything at that point. I worked my ass off and I earned it, but you didn't want me to be the guy. So they sent me away, which ended up working out for me because they sent me to the comedy department, which led me to meeting Dr. Dave, who at that time was the head of comedy. And I met him. I made some videos. Long story short, took a while, but he saw talent in me and he wanted me to do these videos for him. And I said, I'll do them, Of course, whatever you need. And he used to send me things he wanted me to do. I did the videos. The videos went viral a month later. They called me in the office, and they fired me. And I said, what the fuck? Why'd you fire me? What'd I do? And they said, well, you were doing those videos that went viral on company time. And I said, no, I wasn't. I did those videos right before I got into company time. And then they said, oh, we didn't know that. But how did you get permission to do it? And I said, because Dr. Dave said I had permission to do it. It's, it's on camera. You don't need me to tell you. It's, it's right there. And they said, okay, well, we'll, we'll reach out to you. And he never reached out to me. Damn. And the truth of the matter is, Dr. Dave pulled me in that office to do it. Mm-hmm. They didn't care. They didn't care. Dr. Dave didn't even, like, go out of his way to say, hey, you know what? I did do that. He didn't give a shit.
1: It's so hard for a white dude to absorb that and say that that's a race issue. Hold on. My kid is FaceTiming me twice.
0: I mean, Take your time. Ones. I'm going to wrap you up real quick, B. Don't worry about it. Literally no rush, dude. This is fucking great. i love to have this much of your time. So much fun. <laughs> All right, we're going to run through this shit. Be you ready? Do you believe in or have any regrets? Professionally or ever? Both. Yeah, shit, yeah. Uh,
1: physically, so I'm at San Diego State, and, God, I'm partying with some dude. I think it was my roommate at the time. What did I do for him to chase me? I don't know. Threw a drink in his face or was playing for something. He was pissed. So he started chasing me, and I jumped down a flight of stairs. Whole flight of stairs. The flight was amazing.
2: Woo. Woo.
1: (laughs) 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 The landing was awful, though. Yeah. Ripped my ACL. And I remember going to the emergency room, just feeling so much pain and was so drunk at the time and on so much other dumb shit at the time that when we got to the ER, they were just taking too long. So I'm like, we got to get out of here. I don't want to deal with all this. Right. So we got home, found out that I had an ACL. I, I, I busted my ACL on that, that I felt it rip when I landed. Holy shit. And... My athleticism from that point forward has never been the same. And it <laughs> bugs me today. Even today, it's a God, that's my biggest physical regret. Emotional regret, I got two. Okay. Um. So I'm in Washington, D.C. I get a job from, I'm in San Diego working at that, that country station I was telling you about. And I go to D.C. Mm-hmm. And I got a girlfriend at the time, and I leave for Washington, D.C., and she couldn't come at the time. She came six months later, and I brought her out six months later, and I brought her out for insecurity reasons. Like, oh, my God, I'm alone in this city. I got nobody to hang out with, sort of like you were when you came from New York to Atlanta, right? Yes, sir. But you were stronger than I was. So I grabbed onto her. She moved out to D.C. with me, and man, I was dumbass. Um, she moved her whole life out from San Diego for mm-hmm. me. And I was a piece of shit. I was fucking around and I was drinking. Oh, yeah, I was stupid. Yeah. And she got out there and to make a long story short, six months later, she left and went back to San, uh, San Francisco at that point. Mm-hmm. But, oh, man, I just affected her. I, she picked up everything and left to come to D.C. with me. To be with me forever, and I wasn't capable of that. So that's the first regret. Okay. And the second regret... I don't really remember what that second regret was right then now. It ain't a regret, B. But the fact of the matter is, even at 21 years old... Oh, I know what the second thing is now.
2: <laughs> there I it is. I remember the second thing. Thank there you. There it is. There so it is. when there somebody it is.
1: uproots their life and brings... And and you go across the country for them... Yeah. Man, I was a bad bet. I feel... She probably didn't think anything about it, but it was just like not being, I didn't even know how to be authentic with myself at the time. So you're right. I should give myself a break. The second one was anybody I dated after my divorce. Mm. And Kristen warned me. I've talked about this on the show before. Mm -hmm. Don't date anybody, man. Have a great time. ah, man. Men make that mistake a lot. (sighs) So you got to remember that I was married for 17 years. I'm not. Yeah, you know, seventeen years. So, when I got divorced, mm-hmm. I reversed back to seventeen years before that. Bert, right? Go out there, and I wasn't that guy anymore. You know, like you were gone from that. I was gone from that, but I tried it, and it yeah. was like this is so <laughs> not fulfilling. And there were women that I, um, I think, inadvertently led on. And that was not my intention, but I wasn't ready for all that. So I, re- I regret the people. My biggest regrets from people are, are from people that I hurt without being mature enough to know I was going to hurt them.
0: What are you most proud of in your career?
1: I am most proud that I sound like a pageant. That not only have I survived for 20 years, but we've done it at a really high level. Mm. Like we've been in the top five for 20 something years. We're not just here. We're here successfully. The market and the industry has pivoted so much that we've been able to pivot with us or with it, I should say. And I'm really proud of that. Different members come in and come out. um, And I'm really proud that this show has done, has kicked ass for 20 years. Been successful, not just been here. That's a big deal.
0: Do you think about walking away?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) You've done enough? Again, as we record this, like, there was a dude yesterday at 71 years old. He's been doing the show for 40 years in Boston. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Got all pissed off yesterday and walked off the set. I just don't want to be a dude that's, I'm already out of the demo. I'm already gone. So sometimes I'm faking it. You know, I'm talking about shit that really doesn't motivate me, but sometimes I'm faking it, you know, and I definitely don't want to be 71 years old talking about the Jonas Brothers. I don't want to be 71 years old talking about Demi Lovato. Yeah, it just doesn't motivate me. And that dude made a mistake because even if you want to stay in radio for that long, you can do it. You just got to change formats. You can't be in top form. Top 40. Go to a talk show. Go to a hot AC Talk about things that are still important to you, but man, I hate to say this, but I don't love doing radio so much that I would do it for the next 20 years as much as I want to go out and see really beautiful shit before I die. Mm. Like you, you and I are a great example. I am not an adrenaline junkie. But you, you know. and I went skydiving. You, you loved it. it. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to leave anything on the table before I die. And I can Amen. assure you that if I stay in studio until I'm 70 years seventy years old talking about shit that I really don't want to be talking about. And I don't go to Switzerland. Yeah. And I don't go to the Maldives. Yeah. And I don't go to Croatia. I'm going to go, Damn. I was just a radio guy, and I don't want to be just a radio guy.
0: What do you want your legacy to be?
1: Ah uh, For radio? Period. I don't know. Uh I don't think legacies are really for you to define. So, I'm just living my life and whatever I'm leaving behind is like that's going to be for other people to define. I, I don't know. <laughs>
2: Love yours. Love yours. No such thing. No
1: such thing as a life that's better than yours. No such thing as a life that's better than yours.
2: Love yours. No such thing as a life that's better than yours. No such thing. No such thing. Heart beating fast, let a nigga know that he alive.
0: Fake niggas, mad snakes, snakes in the grass. Let a nigga know that he arrived. Don't be sleeping on your level, cause it's beauty in the struggle, nigga. Beauty, beauty. Goes for all y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
2: beauty in the struggle, nigga. Beauty, beauty. Let me explain. Yeah.